I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm never against capitalizing off white guilt because that's the least you can do. I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to keep it a buck. That's the least you could do. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. That guilt is for a reason. And you know what the reason is. Okay. Welcome back to the Color Gray Pod. This is your host, Joy Child. Um, and I'm so happy to have some of my favorite buddies, uh, KB and I have Trey. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Um, as well as can be, I guess is the best way to put it. Trying to trying to manage everything that's going on. Exactly. Holding up as best as possible, you know, everything, literally everything you can possibly think of (laughs) is currently happening at this moment. So just trying to navigate that as best as possible. Yeah. If uh, 2020 had a catchphrase, it would be truth is I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Incredibly tired. I'm tired. I told someone the other day, this is the bad place. Like, oh, absolutely. (laughs) This is like. This is like the bad, bad place. Like nothing that nothing that I've seen any type of like, you know, dystopia. Like even, I would never thought I would have seen something like this, you know, when January 2020 started. Like it's crazy. Could never have predicted that we would be here in June of 2020. Like, I mean, truly, guys, when we were at Sundance, I never would have imagined that Everything this would be our lives. Was so good. <laughs> What's so funny? At Sundance. Like, I got off that plane. I knew in a few more months we were going to be headed to Texas. Like, and then Rona just came and said, bloop, that's not happening. What's so funny is that, like, I truly forget that we had Sundance this year. It feels like a different year. That is how long 2020 has been. And we have six months left of this shit. So this has been truly a journey. But, you know, since we're since we're talking about it, Obviously, there has been a lot going on in the news. Miss Rona is still here. She's still present, girl. Uh, This might be halftime, but she's coming back for the second half. So let's not forget that. Uh, But also, obviously, uh, there's a lot of civil unrest going on nationally. um, And a lot of different people are getting called to the carpet. We talked offline about this, about, you know, this you is coming up. Like, right. So you have a lot of these publications and these outlets having to come to terms with the fact that they, just like there's black suffering happening outside, their black employees have been suffering. Uh, you know, in, in, uh, recent things that are going on on social media, you have the black New York Times, uh, employees speaking up of a specific op-ed that just came out that pretty much was condoning the National Guard coming into these, uh, states and, uh, using their militant force on, uh, people of color and broader folks that are on the ground protesting. And so uh, from what you guys have seen from employer, uh, black staff and freelancers alike, uh, how has the feeling and the sentiment been? You know, I think that we've talked about this before, about how the pandemic had already impacted uh, the way 
black freelancers were operating, black staffers, and all of this on top of that is kind of like a double whammy. And, you know, it makes it it makes even more the point that these publications have not been hiring us for the longest time. And now the time like this is probably I can't think of a better time, honestly, in history where you could afford to have black people writing right now. And so many people right now are that you're, you're seeing they have like one or two black people in their masthead <laughs> and it's catching up with them. And I feel like it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, people need jobs. People need to get their pictures. People need to get um, their work out there. And at, at a time, it's just, it's just like at a bittersweet time, given like what's going on and the pandemic and, you know, publications actually realizing now, Oh, we may haven't been doing so well in this area. So I would say that for me, I want them to keep the same energy year round, year after year. I just, I don't want this to be a scenario where this is a trend like, okay, you guys brought up the fact that we have less than 2% black and or POC staff, you know, within our publication. Um, And we recognize that that's a problem now. So I don't want it to be like, we'll hire someone. Let's hire one person. And then let's say we go, because we are technically in the middle of the worst recession, right? So as this continues, then we'll do layoffs. And the first person gone is that one person of color or that one Black person that we hired before. Like, I just, I want this to be so ingrained within the culture um, that it becomes the new normal, not that this is some sort of fad that we're going to do temporarily to appease the um, angry Blacks, quote unquote, right? Like we're going to appease them right now and give them what they want because they brought it to our attention and we want to make it seem like um, we're truly invested in doing better and then pull that away and pull the carpet kind of from underneath them at that. So I think that's my biggest concern right now is just that I don't want this to be a fad. I don't want this to be something that just happens, um, you know, for a moment in time versus really igniting true change and really improving the system from within um, at, at all at all costs. Like, I, I just really feel like, you know, and I think, too, something that's going to get lost is there are a lot of Black freelancers. Um, I have seen on Twitter that a lot of prominent Black Twitter figures are being asked to come consult on things. So that's another part of the problem too, right? Like you want to hire me as a contract worker on one project, maybe two to help you. But again, the systematic changes that we are talking about need to be why not hire this individual to be a full-time staff? Why are you only asking them and reaching out to help you with a couple of projects that will make you look better, essentially? And then at the end of the day, you still don't have that type of representation and diversity that you claim you do on the inside. You just did it for a particular project that you felt like you needed a Black voice. And so I think, too, to your point, someone else had said, and I think it might have been, I think it might have been Candace, but I'm not sure. You know, it's one of those things that we always get hit up when it's Black History Month. Ooh, please give us all of your thoughts on what it's like to be Black during this one month. So right now we see an influx of people being hit up like, okay, like tell us, you know, share your stories. You have the floor. Okay. But like, yes, 
I have a Black experience. Yes, I love being Black. Yes, I love talking about Black culture and different uh, parts of the Black experience. I love talking about Black entertainment, but also keep that same energy when it's some white stuff out. And that's the problem too. Y'all don't want to hire us when it's time for, you know, large white films to come out. How many Black or POC even, but I'm just going to talk about the Black people right now because I know it was basically zero. How many Black journalists were at the world premiere of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Let's let's just ask that question. Like how many actual Black journalists were there? So why wouldn't you keep that same energy for that versus how many Black journalists we saw at the premiere of, let's say, Dolomite Is My Name? Do you know what I mean? Like why is it that we're only being called upon to talk about Black culture and Black content? Sure, yes, let's do that. But also we need to be able to have the opportunity to talk about other art and other bodies of work as well. And we're not getting that. And that's also part of the problem when it comes to staffing, because you just assume I'm, I'm going to speak freely and say, I guess they assume that we are not intelligent or capable enough to cover other content. If we were to be, you know, like a full staff writer versus they're like, oh, they can only handle the, the content that uh, is relatable to them. Well, y'all don't give us an opportunity to cover anything else. Yeah. I agree with both of you guys. Right. Um, what I have seen on the limited time that I've been on social media, because um, I delete all my apps for self-care, um, what I have seen has been an influx of white guilt happening where people are trying to course correct. Um, but you won't you wouldn't have the, the compulsion or like the need to course correct if you had an established system that was supporting these voices in the first place. So that is what is funny to me, where I'm just seeing all of these different editors and, you know, publicists and friends of friends who work in the industry being like, we'll look over portfolios, we'll look at your TV script. And I was like, where was this energy like literally months ago? The fact of the matter is before even before what was happening was happening, uh, 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 this this is one black people been getting killed by the cops been been they are getting killed by the cops as we speak in multiple states across the u.s they will continue to get killed by the cops unless there's actual systematic change that is happening so that's one but two even before the 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 um the one two three punch of brianna taylor ahmaud arbery and and george floyd happened COVID-19 was a, was predominantly and proportionally and overproportionately affecting black and brown people. Not only just the 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 virus, but also the layoffs, people not getting, you know, small business loans, uh as well as people not necessarily getting the opportunity to freelance and be able to pay bills. So, we were dealing with the economic crisis with black people prior to this. And now we have this other piece compounded on top. And so to me, I'm just like, well, it's nice. You know, I've had a bunch of people telling me that like, yo, this editor is reaching out to me to write about stuff. And I'm like, hmm, I feel like that Kerry Washington meme. <laughs> yes. From Little Fires yes, Everywhere. Yes, from Little mm. Fires. Oh. That guilt thing is it's like, so cool. real. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you this. So I I probably picked this editor um, two, maybe two times, maybe three times last year. Um, I didn't get any. Res- I didn't get any response from the edit from set editor. 
Um, followed them on Twitter, didn't get a follow back. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't follow everybody back anyway just because I don't like my timeline. I like to curate my timeline, so I get it. Um, but, like, I hate when you're picking something and an editor is like, um, doesn't respond. Like, you can't get, like, radio silence from them. And then said editor randomly follows me on Twitter and then messages me about how do you, you know, we need some diverse voices and we love to um, amplify <laughs> amplify diverse voices at this time. You know, I left it on red. I wasn't really, <laughs> wasn't really feeling that at the moment. Uh, I'll decide whether or not I want to <laughs> take that up because I just understand how now all of a sudden it's a thing. And I think hopefully the goal is for us to be in the mode that we are for like Black History Month, Pride, all those, all these months during the whole year. And we we haven't been in this climate before where we've seen a pandemic and the and at a point where white people are actually caring about the movement. Because we we've been in the same like mode probably since I'd say like 2012, 2013. Like it's we've we've been on we've been on this course for a amount of time. It didn't just like land in our laps with George Floyd. It's it's not new. So I just don't know if they'll finally pick up on it and like look, hey, we maybe we maybe we don't need just only um, solicit content from black creators in February. Like it's just it's just interesting to see how gatekeeping, both black and white gatekeeping, will um, <laughs> change during this time. So my question, actually, it's something that I thought about quite frequently because Trey, you just said, um, you know, all of a sudden um, there's white gatekeeping and, and black gatekeeping, even that's being appended. And for me, I kind of feel like, um, and Joyce said a little bit about white guilt. I'm like, but would these, because you're like, the white people care now. And I was like, but do they though? Like, would they actually have cared if we weren't in this situation oh, with coronavirus? absolutely not. I say <laughs> they would not because right now we're at a standstill, right? Like big businesses at a standstill. People are really feeling the impact of the virus financially, emotionally. You know, there's a lot of changes and the virus really forced us to take our hard look at ourselves and the world that we live in. So we were already feeling kind of that tension of having to be forced to stay at home with your family, some of us, right? Work some things out, learn how to be a better communicator. But also, you know, there are millions of people who are unemployed. It's just a lot at once. And so there's a quote unquote, right, slower news cycle as well. And then here comes George Floyd. And I will say, I don't even feel like a lot of the white people even knew about Brianna. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they that she kind of got swept under the rug, um, which is another complaint I have about black people. probably still movement, don't. But that's for another story. But I do feel like she, a lot of the white people didn't even know about her. It really was George Floyd. And that's only because we are forced to deal with it and sit with it because of the virus. So for me, I'm, I am skeptical. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, all these people coming out of the woodwork claiming that they care are getting a hard side eye from me because I'm like, until you put some actions behind these words, I don't want to hear it like that. I don't I agree. Um, yeah. It, this is something that we have been doing. Like, we have been experiencing this for a long, long, long time. And you're absolutely right. Like people were running with a mod like a month ago. You know what I mean? People were saying justice for Brianna a month plus. You know what I mean? Like George Floyd being the catalyst for a lot of this, you know, attention. It's wonderful. And I'm glad that we're we're starting to 
slowly but surely inch towards a shift. But I think candidly, a lot of a lot of the time and a lot of the reason why a lot of white people care because they're sitting at home and they got time to look at it. I think if the outside was open on a national scale and we were back to our normal pre-Rona lives, I absolutely believe that this would not have the national attention that it has. That's a very good point. too. The work is still not done, though. And I think that's a problem that I'm seeing, too, because people are like, oh, great. You know, they arrested the other three murderers. But it took nine days of protesting, people getting tear cast and hit with bullets, people dying in various states who weren't even protesting. They just had to be on the street in the wrong place at one time. The Louisville barbecue dude who died in the same state that Brianna died. He wasn't even protesting. He was out there doing his business and got shot by the cops. So I truly do not want to hear it. It took too much. It should have been off the rip. Those cops, every last one of those cops should have gotten arrested. And it should have been first degree for Chauvin the first, at the first opportunity. Y'all let people get injured, injured, injured emotionally and physically for multiple days for over a week before things happened. Yeah, and right, but also Brianna Taylor's still, murders are still running still free. free. Like, so that's another thing too. Like, it's just like the work is still not done, and I don't want people to see. I don't want people to take this small victory and think that it's over. And I feel like a lot of times that is what white people do. Like, oh wow, okay, we did that. Yes, we can go on with our regular lives. No, sweetie, the entire system of white supremacy needs to be dismantled in every capacity, and we need equity. For but the other everyone. thing is, is that yeah. like I just have to make something very clear: charges don't equal convictions. No. At all. Because they can walk away. Charges don't equal convention, uh, uh, convictions. Eric Gardner's killer got charged. But like, how you, the way you mentioned, like, there's so much work to be done. That's why the the Blackout Tuesday brought me so much stress Um, those black squares. <laughs> when I tell you, I woke up Tuesday morning and I was so perplexed. I was so, I'm like, what is going on? Who's, who started this and why? And apparently, like, it's just... It was something started by the you know the music industry and then somehow it got people took that upon like meaning everybody and then everyone thought she was to be silent on social media and there were fake flyers going around telling people to be silent on social media and then I have a um, someone I went to college with who is an organizer in Chicago and she was saying how like vital it is for like those hashtags how they communicate like on the ground and stuff and it's just. A lot. I, I, I'm glad that a lot of dialogue is happening, but it's just sometimes it strays to being performative a lot, and it's like it's sometimes it's like a conflict. Sometimes it's like, do you want performative activism or actions, or is it just good that it's taking place anyway? And that's something that I've been trying to like reconcile with myself a lot recently. Yeah, I just just because I have a just like a little bit of insight because I have a friend who works in the music industry, um, and we had a conversation about the pause that they were doing broadly across like music labels because it started as you know music labels primarily a lot of their employees are black and they have primarily black talent because that's what the culture is and that is what is driving the music industry, right? And I think the black employees kind of got tired because they were like, I don't want to go through the day pushing my artists for the week, you know, trying to get on the billboard charts and all of this is happening. I need a reprieve. Like I need time off. So that's how it started. Now what it formulated and like, you know, permutated into (laughs) is, you know, uh, listen, no comment, but like, I hear you. A lot of this feels very performative. That's why people hitting you with a this you don't be on the end of a this you quote tweet, dog. Like you wouldn't have to 
if your if your if your life was in order, Leah Michelle. Some of these this use are from 2020. <laughs> Bam. Bam. <laughs> Leah Michelle. Leah Leah came straight strong and loud with that statement. And uh the wonderful uh cast member, she didn't say this you, but her her comment was this you. <laughs> Hello Fresh was like this you for that sponsorship. Right. Hello. <laughs> like, like, immediately. You got to clean. Listen, how are you trying how are you trying to sell somebody else uh 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 that their house is fucked up but your house ain't is messy too? Like you got to be very mindful well, of how you have been treating people around you. And I think it's that it's that cognitive dissonance and that lack of awareness that we're seeing from a lot of white people on social media people in the industry that we work in, in terms of writing and in terms of, of broader, you know, outlet and publication critics who got all this energy and time right now, but when it's coming to being in the staff writer's room and speaking up for your, your black employee it's crickets. When it's time for y'all to have a conversation of who's getting hired onto the staff team, you have a say and you pick the white employee over the black employee is crickets. So like, I just want you to be very mindful of the energy that you have been putting out to the black people that are not on the news, to the black people that sit next to you at your cubicle, to the black people that are in your life, because I guarantee you they are singing a different tune than you are about you right now. But anyway, I will I will say someone on Twitter, um, not Twitter, excuse me, on Instagram, but someone who shout out to to my personal flash because I will say Grant Gustin is someone who I follow who has been trying to do the work and as a white man he made a statement the other day where he was like I need to apologize because I was taught my entire life that if I was a good person and I wasn't racist that was enough and he was like and what I'm learning is that's not enough it's never enough I need to actively be working on behalf of everyone who does not have the same rights and equality that I do and he's like the only person truly the only celebrity that I follow that I actually believe because y'all heard all the skepticism that I have in my heart in general about this so he's actually the only person who's white that I'm like oh I think he finally gets it and now he's doing the work like I'm doing the work I'm doing the research I'm, I'm talking to people I need to make sure that when I go to work every Everyone feels the same level of equality and safety, which we all know Candace has not in the years past um, being the black lead of that show. So I feel like, you know, now he he's one of the people that I follow that I'm like, oh, OK, so he understands that he's actually trying to do the work and educate himself for a long term benefit and not just for whatever season we're in. Um, right now where some people are doing it uh, temporarily. Because I, I read on Twitter that some of these corporations have already taken down their statements. And I was like, <laughs> well, it's only been 48 hours and I'm confused. Because okay. their employees internally said this you? <laughs> they said this you in the staff meeting. Right now, I feel like a lot of people are learning that non-racist does not equate to anti-racist. <laughs> you can be non-racist in your, but you're not working to dismantle any tenant of racism. And um, going off of what you said, Kay, about um, uh, Grant Gustin, one thing I've noticed, someone else who's been doing really good, I think is Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale. One thing she's been doing is she's been actually getting young Black activists to take over her Instagram account and do stuff on her stories. She's been doing lives with them. And I think that's that's such a different tale than you being the one maybe not being that knowledgeable 
of what's going on and giving that platform to someone else. And also kind of like what you mentioned about Candace, her co-star, Vanessa Moore, actually a lot of her co-stars have a come out. Like, fo- like all of the, yes. basically all the black people who have been on that show have come out yes. recently and said that they did not appreciate how their storylines were handled. And I know she was one of the people, she was like, she may be the only, uh, this, I might be wrong, but I think she might be the only one or at least the first who also, you know, co-sign her statements and that sort of thing. And I think that people got to learn how to be allies correctly because the black square ain't going to get you <laughs> but so far. So, like, just, just uh, that's, that's, that's like the bare minimums, that black square. I, was, and, I mean, that black square don't mean nothing. So to be honest. That and black I, square don't I'm mean nothing rude. for black people, to be honest. Right. <laughs> exactly. well, like, I, at minimum, open your fucking purse. Like, you have money. <laughs> at minimum, open up your goddamn purse. And you better, de- child. But the way Star Wars is all behind John Boyega now, I said, y'all. Bro, they I hit him. They I hit him with be. the Mike Jones. Back then, they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. Now I'm hot. They all. Now That's I'm hot. the ultimate. This you, bro. This you. We. Everybody was sitting there. I was like, now hold up a minute. No, this is the same John Boyega that was been going through racist trolls in Star Wars. Been going through, going through it. it. And y'all out here using him as going a prop. Them and the San Francisco 49ers. I said, y'all got Bruh, it. Any, but anyway, like, like going back to, I want to get on topic because <laughs> listen, we can we can snowball in terms of giving y'all examples of this you. Uh, but, you know, going back to, to, the, to the industry that we're a part of and, and seeing people's reactions, seeing all these white people now magically have the time to look at your portfolio and shit like that. Um, what are your, like, where are you guys at in terms of, you know, Trey, you mentioned earlier about putting that that editor who was playing you these uh, years and months past on on Red. Like, how, how has been your point of view in terms of how to navigate these new, you know, calls to action of people actually taking our work seriously like are you in a space where you're just like you know what fuck it and fuck you you weren't here before again you mike jones me and i'm not trying to do i'm not trying to be involved or are you in a place where you're like it's a balance between i'm gonna capitalize off your white guilt because i do like this is this is chestnut checkers but also it's fuck you like how do you how have you guys been navigating through that i'm definitely not opposed to it i mean as long as it's not compromising my integrity where i'm, where I'm like the check ain't worth it but Nothing is like stopping action right now. We you know it's a pand- we're in a pandemic right now. Um, I do that one. That one example in particular is just the one where I'm just like I know I've like hit you up multiple times. You didn't even you didn't even I appreciate even when you email and be like no we're not we're just gonna pass. Like okay well at least at least I know and I can move on and to the next person. But it's just interesting because even not even talking about like editors, but even talking about like publicists and which is a whole different you know different set of gatekeeping and stuff it's just it's interesting to see i'm more so interested in how they will react first because you don't because if you're the if you're the first one who like if they see what you're gonna do then that's just like them trying to like navigate the way you are as opposed to like seeing how they're reacting you know and i'd rather see the changes come from them as opposed to me i guess amending how i approach it you know yeah I'm not going to lie to y'all. I have no thoughts on this. Mostly because um, currently I just think with the current state of the world and everything that's going on, I mentioned this before that I've been on a bit of a hiatus uh, just personally in terms of writing and doing all those things. So I've written like a couple of pieces and I'll write some stuff occasionally. um, And it's mostly steeped in black content, if I'm being honest, or where, you know, they're, they have um, a black lead at the center. Um, That's what I'm really coming out of retirement for right now. But 
Like, I just feel like, again, because I've said it over and over again, I just want this energy to sustain. And so, you know, I feel like, Trey, you know, don't compromise your integrity in any capacity. But finally, if you have a script that you had written 10 years ago and you've been trying to get it in front of a studio's eyes for 10 years and you have the opportunity now, take that opportunity, call it reparations. I mean, like truly do what you feel like you need that you have to, because again, because I am not hopeful that this will sustain, and that sounds terrible, but it's true, but only because I actually read American history. Um, we know, we don't know how long this will last. And if you have that opportunity, your content should be out there. Your voice should be heard. You should have that opportunity. So if someone is to take them up on that offer, it's kind of the way I feel at, at this point for, for other people who are doing it. Um, and I had a conversation with a friend about it today who, you know, kind of, um, was in the space that Trey is in terms of like, is this a good idea? But you know, like, what does that look like? And I'm like, you've been working too hard not to have at least someone put eyes on it. And, and if they're offering to put eyes on it, I'm like, let them put eyes on it. Like, I mean, truly. So I feel like, you know, if this is truly sustainable change in the way that it needs to be, um, in the way that I hope, like I genuinely want it to be sustainable, then we don't have to worry about this in the future. Like we can just be like, oh, you know, I wrote this dope script and we know it'll go to the right person. It won't just go into the automatic trash pile because you're a black woman who wrote it. Like, yeah, um, the thing that I've been having to remind myself this week is that I didn't do this. This is not something that I made, right? And outside of the, just the industry talk, like there was a little bit of guilt that I had calling in black today and tomorrow at work. And I had to check myself and be like, well, why? It's like, if, you're, if your white coworkers are offering that to you, if your white senior leadership is offering that to you, you better goddamn take it. I'm never against capitalizing off white guilt. Because that's the least you can do. I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to keep it a buck. That's the least you can do. You know what I mean? Like, that guilt is for a reason. And you know what the reason is. So, do I think it's going to be sustainable? No. But I also recognize that this broader industry is very much chestnut checkers. It's very strategic and very political. And we know this all personally in our own individual ways and ways that intertwine with each other. We are all very three very different black people. And the fact that we have had similar stories about how we've been able to navigate politically through the freelance uh, industry as black writers says a lot. It says that it's systemic, but it's a, it's a, a systematic aspect that we did not create. We didn't create racism. We also didn't create these these structures that still hold to this day. And we'll candidly, like Kay said, continue to hold. So I am not, a bag is a bag. I am not against capitalizing off of white guilt if it helps progress my career. At the same token, I'm also prioritizing protecting my peace. If I'm not willing to sacrifice how I feel and my values and my moral compass for a bag either. And I think that there's a toggle, right? Um, I think we mentioned John Boyega and John Boyega is a great example of that, of, of finding that right balance where, look, the Disney check cleared and fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he never stopped being black throughout episodes seven, eight or nine. Right. But having the space and and getting the bag and the check and also being like and black lives matter, that's the goal. Until we have this political structure extremely dismantled and built back from the ground up so that it's 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 equitable for everybody who's a part of it, 
if that's how you need to navigate, navigate, I don't fault you for it. I will never fault you for it as a black person. But I will say this. My energy has been as of late on Twitter. Ooh, that's cool. Okay, y'all are ready, you know, to um, open up the, the floodgates for us blacks now. So all these open positions that you have. Right. That's us. the other thing. Man, yeah. that's us. the other thing, too. I <laughs> like the thought that you were the only black person. I'm thinking of, about Angelique Jackson, who who writes for Variety. And I am not a staff writer at at. Uh, trade publication. I am a contributor for the Hollywood Reporter. I think that's been on record. Y'all know. I pretty much know if I if I'm remembering on top of my head, pretty much all of the black either free freelancers or staff writers at THR. If you look at the three trade publications, Deadline, Variety, and the Hollywood Reporter, where they at though? Like it's it's it, it's empty. If you and that is me including. Trade uh, that's me, including freelancers and staff writers. It they are extremely dearth of that, and those are the three that a lot of these publicists go to first if they want their news broken. That a lot of these publicists and these the this talent wants to interview with because that will propel their career. That a lot of people will fight for to break their teeth in the industry working at these places. And I say that as somebody who the minute T, like the Hollywood Reporter was put on my resume in terms of my portfolio, my bylines. People start looking at me different. I know this personally. I know this to be true. And so the fact that you, it's great for Angelique. And I'm so happy that she was able to have that space to talk about it for Variety. But I want for her that systematic change. I want for anybody at any publication who is one of two black people on staff to have other coworkers who are black. Like the fact that we are even saying that you are a large publication and I've said this, I think, on our first episode of The Color Grade, and I'm bringing it back. Black writers ra- write circles around all your white faves because we can write about ca- black content, white content, like any content. Anything. Code switching gives... Literally, literally anything. Code switching <laughs> gives you the ability to be a chameleon in different spaces that I don't think that they have the range to do. I just don't know. I do not believe that they do. And so we are extremely armed and equipped to do these things because that is literally our natural default in order to navigate throughout this extremely racist world. And so, yeah, we write black content and we write it well. We also write about white ass films and indie films and we write about it well. We've talked about the films that we've seen at film festivals and all of y'all on this call that we're having this conversation with write circles around a lot of these white counterparts. That's just the truth. Be mad at it if you want. You can add me if you want. Debate your grandma. I don't care. Like, it's the truth. <laughs> like, it's the truth. Well, and me personally, I feel like stop making my friends your token Negro. Like, just stop. Like, I'm tired of that as well. Like, we don't, I, no. Like, please stop making my friends your token Negro. When something like this occurs, you want to put everything on the backs of that one Black person that works there. Y'all, stop it. Like, but I say that in the same breath of, if you're going to be about it, be about it and truly hire someone full, full-time, full-time staff. Listen, I got laid off. I know a very, uh, a handful of other talented black women who have since been laid off. We're all looking for full-time work. So if you're truly about it, stop with this. I can offer you a contract. Can you come help us just with this one project and truly put us in the seats. Yep. And, and I, I, before we kind of like segue and talk a little bit about self-care, because I think it's needed. It's so, so, so needed for us to still being able to congregate and have community amongst each other, even in the midst of this and, 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 and 
just celebrate ourselves, especially in this time. But, uh, you know, nice for you to tweet, throw a bag. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but talking a little bit about self-care, right? I've been trying to stay off social media because, girl, my brain hurts. And <laughs> there's a lot of information swirling around. And I know for me, what has been a saving grace is being able to immerse myself in something that I love, which is film and TV. And this is what we love, right? And this is stuff that we write about constantly. Um, but I've been trying to do a little bit more of watching shows that I'm not covering and spending time doing that and just really immersing myself in the story and not having to think in the back of my head, okay, I'm about to write about this, what the plot point look and like who the actors that are in it, you feel me? So um, what have you guys been watching? What has been helping you kind of keep your mental health in balance and help you distract you a little bit with what's going on? So I have just been watching whatever moves me. That sounds crazy, but I mean, honestly, in this space and to your point, really kind of making sure your mental health is intact, I have found it most comforting to rewatch things that I've already seen because it's not such a heavier lift, right? Like it's enjoyable. You've already watched it. You know, it's good. Um, and so you can kind of relax on that. So I'm going to start off by saying I've been rewatching Pitch, which was a dynamic series oh, that was on Fox for one season. It is now on Hulu. So for everyone who did not get an opportunity to watch it on Fox because it was short lived and Fox is notorious for um, canceling your faves after one season. And that's exactly what happened here. But, um, you know, it it is centered around a Black woman in um, the National Baseball League and her experiences. And, I mean, it's, it's really well-written. It's extraordinary. Um, you know, I feel like it, it came out the same year as This Is Us because it has the same creator. And, you know, I hate that it got lost, honestly. So rewatching it has been a joy, joy, joy of mine. So I'm rewatching that because um, why not? And somebody better revive it. Like, I just need more of this because it, it really was a, a fantastic show. Um, and what else have I watched recently? I just finished Boomerang both seasons because I actually hadn't watched it at all. So I watched seasons one and season two. And I went in there kind of with, you know, just a blank slate. I didn't read anyone's reviews on it because I really wanted to go in there and form my own opinions. Um, and I liked it a lot. And I surprised myself by saying that. So, yes, it I mean, I was just like for me, I think I really liked it because um, one of the co-creators, um, Ben, I think Ben went to Morehouse. Um, and that's why it's a very Atlanta show. So I went to college in Atlanta and it's very centered around being black in Atlanta, going to college there um, and then also being young professionals in that city. And so it just gives me a special place in my heart because I went to undergrad there. I went to grad school there. I became a young professional in that city when my first career, you know, before I moved to New York. And it just is so similar, reminds me of a lot of those things. So um, I don't know. I don't think as of yet it's been renewed or they haven't talked about whether or not it'll be renewed for a season three. So I just um, caught up on those first two seasons, but that was really good. Um, and then a movie that I watched that I really liked is on Netflix. It's called The Half of It. And um, a young Asian girl lead, it's YA, which is me and Trey's jam. Like, child, we will watch YA we all will, day. We will, we will. 
<laughs> and I mean, it's just a fresh story. Um, it's a different type of love story. And I really, I, f- I feel like I can't say too much because it will be giving a lot of it away, but it's a different take. Um, it's really kind of one of those stories that it's like, your soulmate doesn't have to be someone that you are in a romantic relationship with. You know, like sometimes you have these dynamic friendships and connections and you realize that you guys truly are soulmates. And I think it's just kind of taking um, a hard look at love and relationship and friendships from a different perspective and a different lens. And so I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I guess my comfort TV is usually anything that's animated or um, again, YA. So that's kind of been what I've been bouncing um, between. I was able to binge uh, all of the Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> and all of The Legend of Korra. So um, that brought me immense joy throughout what's going on. Um, another thing on Netflix, um, I've been trying to dive, I've dived into a lot of YA series that I hadn't really, they had probably come out like over the past year um, and that I just didn't really think about or just, you know, I'm going to get to it later. And now since we have all this time to get to it, uh, I've been able to. And one is called uh, The Order. It's more so like a um, sci-fi type thing. It's like magic and stuff. Um, It's pretty much anybody, like any type of mystery, it's good. Uh, Also another one is called The Society. Um, Now this one is a lot more interesting and it's very, it speaks to our times a lot during the pandemic. Uh, it basically has like a Lord of the Flies-esque concept of these teens who um, end up by themselves. And I watched this before um, the uprisings, but it kind of speaks a lot to what we're going through now. Like these teens are like by themselves and they legit have to like... Um, organize and create their own government, how they're going to police, things like that. And this is just like a group of like 40 to 50 kids who were left in this town and they're cut off and they have to basically start a civil civilization from scratch. And it's a lot to think about now, given how so many people are on these movements to abolish, insert whatever, um, and, you know, start fresh. So that's another one. Which is really good. Uh, there's also another Netflix series called Blood and Water. <laughs> it's Netflix's second South African original series. Um, it's a bit. It's nothing new, um, but it's a. It's a. It's a kind of a. I guess a paternity mystery. I guess. Um, and it's it's a lot going on, but I do feel like it it provides. Black people are really provided the different ranges of content when it comes, especially when it comes to young adult and teen content. And I feel like it adds like a fresh spin to that. Uh, so that's, those are the kind of things I've been watching more recently. I tried to start um, Damon and Linda Lost the Leftovers um, yesterday. And within the first, I guess, six minutes, it triggered me so much given what's going on i was just like this looked like it's gonna be an excellent show but i think i'm gonna have to come back to this later um i've been i've been also trying to you know watch shows that are like iconic critically acclaimed need to be seen more that i just haven't yet one of them is the leftovers another one is the americans which i'm gonna get to eventually i know it's, it's, a, it's a few ethics shows that i actually need to um watch but yeah that's kind of like what i've been i've also watched a few movies um I don't know if I would recommend any, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> state, I'm not gonna state them really. Um, 
Yeah, because this is like positive stuff. Um, but also, if you if you kind of want some laughs, I would recommend Space Force on Netflix as well. It has there are a lot of funny. The show itself is kind of weird because it's like it doesn't understand if it wants to be a a satire or a parody or just like a comedy series. But there are a lot of hilariously funny moments. So if you if you can stick through some of the other stuff to get to the moments that are just like laugh out loud funny, then that's a good recommendation too. Oh, I forgot. I did forget. I can make a pitch now because we talked about it a lot last time, but since that episode's not getting aired, oh. <laughs> I forgot to say upload. I'm going to pitch it again because I loved it so much on Amazon Prime and it is about the afterlife and it's hilarious and also endearing and there's a little bit of drama. There's also a mystery and it has a um, black woman lead. So I feel like, you know, and also there's romance that I became wildly invested in. Like it was, I didn't think that I would, but they hit the nail on the head with this. So I'm going to plug upload again too. Cause when you said space force, I was like, Ooh, upload is hilarious in ways that you're like, what is happening right now? But yes. yes. Yeah. If you, if you know me, I suck at TV um, and Trey and Kay, laugh at me all the time because I'm not a TV watcher in any... I just, I'm I'm t- like, I'm TV out. He's TV like, you know, out. Like, like <laughs> y'all watch TV like that. I really don't. I will say that this was maybe like a month ago when I was braiding my hair, which was a journey. I watched Too Hot to Handle on Netflix, which was Girl. such a hot mess, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> Girl, now Too Hot to Handle is a bop because it's, it's a, a me- mess. If you want messy TV that's truly going to take your mind off of everything, would recommend Too Hot to Handle because it is a hot ass mess. That's all I'm going to say. Um, what else? Uh, I'm like, hey, I've been I've been going back to to sh- the few shows that I have watched um, that really make me happy. Parks and Recreation is one of the most joyous TV series. Truly love, love, love Parks and Recreation. It's on Netflix. Um I, I just love I love that character. Weirdly enough, I see a lot of myself in, in Leslie Nope <laughs> in terms of the efficiency sometimes. And some of my friends have called me Leslie uh, sometimes in terms of the way I act. So love Parks and Recreation. If you want to do a rewatch or you haven't watched it before, would recommend. It's a fantastic series. Um, I watched I've watched some, some movies uh, for coverage and uh, doing it for the MTR network. Uh, I saw the high note with Tracy Ellis Ross and Dakota Johnson and Ice Cube and our, you know, our collective fave, Kelvin Harrison Jr. And I will say that that movie is hilarious strictly because it is really Dakota Johnson getting dragged by multiple black people, that whole movie and multiple black people. It's, it's surprisingly hilarious how much she gets dragged by black people on this movie. Uh, and that was a, that was a, a wonderful surprise. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, what else? Uh, I'm rewatching this because I'm going to be covering this for an outlet. Um, I will announce it when it's actually out because I don't like to jinx myself, but Miss Juneteenth is coming out on Juneteenth. So uh, I am very, 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 very excited. It's on VOD. Please listen to the episode that we did about uh, Miss Juneteenth at Sundance. Nicole Bahari is a star. That is the name of the episode, if I remember incorrectly. It, and that still holds true. She is a goddamn star. Please support. A lot of these films that are on VOD are primarily white and they're getting a lot of traction and still getting reviews. That is not the same. That's not the same for films that are starring black people or directed by black people. So please support Ms. Juneteenth. See the greatness of Nicole Bahari in your home. And yeah, those are those are the the things that I would recommend. 
I'm like, and go and just support, you know, um, a, a black girl from Texas doing her thing, the director and writer um, of Miss Juneteenth. Like, y'all know I'm Texas forever, so I will always support a black woman from Texas who's doing anything, to be honest. But it's especially that, because Miss Juneteenth is everything. And justice for Nicole Bahari for Sleepy Hollow. Jesus, I mean, like, that show was so good, and then it all went left. So justice for her for that TV show, because, man, she deserves better, because she was also phenomenal. In Nicole Bahari was also made a wonderful cameo in Little Fires Everywhere. Listen, if, if, if nothing else, this year is trash, but please... Hopefully, revolution comes in, and a part of the revolution is Nicole Bahari becomes an A-list celebrity. <laughs> because I sign, please. I listen. I will. I will hitch my wagon to anything that Nicole Bahari does. That woman can act down, 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 down. Anyway, uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I know this has not been an easy time for any of us to really kind of socialize and. Uh, uh, honestly get up and be functioning so I appreciate y'all taking the time out and talking to me I love every time you guys are on and you will definitely be on for future episodes so thank you thanks for having us thanks until next time We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Color Grade. I'm your host, Joy Childs, and you can find me at Jump for Joy on Twitter and Instagram and at joychilds.com. Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.